You are listening to Hands at Work Audio. I'm going to quickly share with you about the wall of Nehemiah. Okay, all of you know that there's a book of Nehemiah in the Bible, I hope. Well, there's an amazing thing about the book of Nehemiah. It actually, you know, we've been studying it in hands for years, and still, every time we talk about it and we draw the comparisons, it becomes scary. It's so close to what we do. So this morning, I want to take 10 minutes to fly through the book of Nehemiah. I do no justice to the story. It's very painful for me to do it in such a superficial way. But I want to ask each of you, put up your hand and say, I make a commitment that I'm going to read through the book of Nehemiah and compare it with the hands history, and if I don't, God can strike. No. (laughs) Okay, if you don't read the book of Nehemiah, you must give your T-shirt back, okay? And I don't want any t-shirts back. Okay, so, so here's the story of Nehemiah. Okay? We know that it was the time of the exiles, and we know that, that there were a remnant of Israelites that stayed behind in Jerusalem. And so I'm just sharing a few key things with you quickly. I want you to catch what is the vulnerability. I want you to catch the challenge, the mandate. I want you to catch brave people making decisions drawing lines in the sand. And I want you to look at Jerusalem as hands at work, okay, and towards the latter part. But, but you really need to try and concentrate because we're going to try and, and make it very brief. So Nehemiah's, Nehemiah's story, yes, how it started. This is the funniest part. When Carolyn and I graduated in Bible school, this is the verse they gave us, Okay. The God of heaven will give success, therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. Now, I mean, this is actually, it was so funny when we got this verse. Because first of all, I had no clue about orphans or caring about them. I mean, it's not on my map. Secondly, Sal can tell you, I cannot put two bricks on top of each other. So, what did it mean? And yet God gave us, and that's the amazing thing about God. He gives you the promises long before. Robin shared this morning the promises we got for hands. So the first thing is, we got that promise years before hands at work started. Now I want you to start listening to it. The story of Nehemiah unfolds now. Nehemiah is a cupbearer. Nehemiah was not a missionary, a priest, or a, a, some weird religious guy. He was a cupbearer. I mean, really, in language today, he was a young professional guy. He, he was connected in high places. He had a good job. Nehemiah heard what was happening. And I just want to catch you one thing. He heard, he asked about the people that he heard that was not doing well. And this is the verse that came out. They are in great distress and reproach. And the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burnt with fire. Guys, you cannot get a better description of what we talk about when we look at communities where we work. They're off the ladder. Their walls have been destroyed. 
parents, schools, anything that brought safety and security have been ripped away. The gate has been burned down. The gate is the entrance to the child. The children have got no protection, nothing. Now, Nehemiah sat very far away from that. He was in Australia, and this was happening in Nigeria. And he heard about it. That's all. He wasn't asked anything. He wasn't connected to those people. He just heard about it. And this is what he did. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days before I went to God in heaven. That's our story. Each one of us know by name. Each one of us, through a team, or walking through Africa, or through living in a community, all of us experience that moment where we saw, and it cut through bone and marrow, and can you remember how you wept? Can you remember that initial reaction? Going through that, and then questioning God, asking God, what is this? Exactly the same thing happened to Nehemiah. And then Nehemiah did one amazing thing. Look in the middle of that paragraph. Day and night on behalf of the sons of Israel. Nehemiah made a decision that he was not just going to hear and turn his back and carry on with his life. Once he saw, once he heard, he drew a line and he became involved. And here he said, he spoke on behalf. Hands at work, you speak on behalf. In the service centers, in the RSTs, in the HUB, in, in the uh, international offices. You guys are doing it every day for hours. When you do a budget, you stand on behalf. When you speak at a church, you stand on behalf. When you receive teams and make beds and do dishes, you stand on behalf. Because we are doing it with a single focus for those who are off the ladder and have got no hope. Do you understand, Eric, what you guys are doing in Likasi? And as brave as you are to break into Goma now, you are standing on behalf. You are not producing computers or cars. And if you aren't standing on behalf of a place that's been burned down to the ground, they don't have a plan B. If I had a plan B, it wouldn't have been burned down to the ground. You are the only hope that they have. What a responsibility. Oh, we know about facing opposition. In the communities, yesterday, we had with um, one of our children that my family actually know very well, Charity, and her brothers, and how people see that they are growing and getting blessed, and how community members now come, and they want to steal the children back. And we had, we had the CBO coordinator in tears yesterday. She said that she just can't cope with the pressure from the people that cannot allow us to reach the poorest. They want to hijack it and steal it from us. That goes right up to the international offices. We've got people criticized, questioning, Constantly, constantly. Some of them have been actually in our midst for many years. And I still just, I don't know, if I just don't get it or don't want to get it. But it's constantly draining our energy, draining us. Nehemiah faced that on every level. 
Nehemiah Way. All of you heard about the Nehemiah Way. When we go into the communities, we don't go with a big flag and say, we care for orphans. Because then anybody, everybody will come running to us, people with capacity. And they will say, yes, that's our vision, and he'll catch us. We don't do that. We go in quiet, quiet. And we catch Mother Teresa in the act. We catch her caring. Isn't that? That's why the model is so successful. We go quiet. We call it the Nehemiah way. So when you are part of hands and you don't understand why they say to you, you can't go into that community yet, why they say you can't do this, understand we are doing it the Nehemiah way. Nehemiah went in, man alone with his horse, in the middle of the night, inspecting. By the time he spoke, he had everything worked out. Nehemiah challenged the church. He didn't try to do everything outside himself. He sat down. Once he had the profile of, of the wall and the community, once he had everything, he called them together and he said to them, you are burned down. The house is on fire. Your children have got no hope. Do you know this is happening? Can you see? Can you see? And then he said to them, come on, let's arise and build the wall so that the children will no longer be vulnerable. And look at this. They said, let us arise and build. So they put their hands to good work. It is letter for letter, the hands at work model. Very important for us to understand this. Then he went to the church leaders. Something incredible happened when Nehemiah challenged the church leaders to get involved in building a wall. Now, I mean, if it's tough today to get pastors to do some physical work, <coughs> I think it was even worse then. But he did it. Look what happened. The high priest arose with his brothers, the priest, and they built the sheep gate. Actually, some of the translations said they first rose. So the church leaders caught this thing so strong that they took it and they built on that. And in the next few days, we're going to hear that we are very good at challenging the church to do that to get involved, but we are not so good to keep them, to actually build the wall to completion. They help us to lay the foundation. They give us the living stones. Living stones are people in the church. But we don't keep them long enough and we don't keep them in the right way so that they help us to finish the wall. We say sustainability totally depends on the buy-in from the church leaders. If the church leaders buy in, you don't need anybody from outside to help. We say prayer and work is success. In hands at work, you know how much we pray. I trust that you in the service centers are praying the way we're praying in a hub. Monday morning men, Monday morning the whole family, Tuesday morning ladies, Wednesday morning everybody, Friday morning everybody, and then we've got constant other prayer meetings in the evenings. I trust it's happening right through the family. I trust it's happening in international offices. If it's not, maybe that's the thing that's blocking you to break into the new church. If it's tough for you to find a new church, guys, speak to Lynn and, and, and Eric and me to, about Goma. It's tough. <laughs> it's tough. But we pray it up. The last time we sent Lynn and Eric to Goma, we were in the evenings, after we've done all our work and everything, we went to the chapel, and we were interceding for them. 
because we knew that them going on their own is just not good enough. How much do you guys pray in the international offices? How much do we pray in the service centers? We say prayer and work together is success. Look at this. For the people had a mind to work. Enhance at work, our work ethic must be brilliant. But with that, we say, it's only when you combine and baptize it in prayer that we will have success. But we pray to our God. I wish I can spend an hour this morning only speaking about prayer in Nehemiah. You know, Nehemiah, if you read it, some places he's busy speaking to the king. As he speaks to the king, he say, and I prayed, I prayed. <laughs> he prayed while he was speaking to the king. They were prayer warriors. So in hands, we say, if we follow the Nehemiah model, we work hard, eight hours a day. And we pray hard. Fear is a weapon that will paralyze hands. Like he tried to paralyze Nehemiah. You know that there was fear from outside. People were saying to them, oh, we heard rumors about you. You're trying to have a rebellion against the king. There were people saying, um, challenging them. When they saw that didn't work, they infiltrated Nehemiah's group and they started to intimidate him from inside. Fear will come from inside. The enemy is not the person doing that. The enemy is the spirit of fear. Fear paralyzes there are some people who specialize in, in spreading fear. We realize that in Nehemiah. And they stood up and fight your brothers, to fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your house. Nehemiah said, guys, there's not a plan B here. You fight. And eventually they ended up where they worked with the one hand and the other hand they had swords. They were constantly ready day and night, facing fear. Fear was in their faces. They could see the enemy luring on the outside, taunting them. The enemy was on the inside, tempting them, trying to challenge them constantly, constantly. Nehemiah and his leaders had to be mature, and they had to understand that fear will kill them, and they had to squash that fear the moment it came out. In hands, we need to understand May I cut just for a second deeper into the bone here. In Africa, fear is the king. And as men and as women of God, if you will succeed or fail, will depend if you can look fear in the eye. Or are you going to bow your knee to that cultural fear, hokwas, rubbish, that have been taught to you for centuries? As we face so many challenges outside Africa, like materialism and individualism and all that stuff that we have to face. In Africa, the enemy is fear. In Hands at Work, we say Africa, non-Africa, wherever we are, we do not bow the knee to fear. We call it on its name because God has called us to do a great work. And there's no plan B. Loveness has not got a plan B. It's you and me. That's a plan. We stand for justice, even when it becomes uncomfortable. Let me just quickly tell you what happened here. The very people that were building the wall, so it can be our donors, our churches, it can be of in-hands, the very people that were part of building the wall were abusing the poorest of the poor, 
because they got some money out of it. Now, you can translate that in many ways, but the way I translate it is that there were people that said, we are together, but they were not together. They said, we will throw a few breadcrumbs. I tell you guys, some of us in hands, we say to them, it's okay to throw a few breadcrumbs. Today, I'm saying to you, it's not okay. We don't need partners that throw breadcrumbs. Because it's a disgrace to the guys in Africa. If I say to Eric, Eric, put your whole life, your future, everything on the line, so that there can be somebody from the UK that will throw free breadcrumbs at you. It's not okay. It's not okay. I know it's tough words. I know it's very offending for people outside. Nehemiah had those, those people were the movers and the shakers. They were the ones who were... Um, paying for the wall. They were the big boys. Nehemiah took them on. Then I was very angry that I heard. He called them all together and he gave them a heck of a hiding. He really, he, you know, his whole ministry to rebuild the wall was on the balance that moment. If anything could have destroyed building the wall, it was a day when Nehemiah took on the rich guys and said to them, stop throwing crumbs. It's time that we speak that word. You know, guys, if we were getting a lot out of it, we get paid big salaries and things. We can be careful to say it. When you speak that to a church or to whoever, you speak on behalf of loveness. You speak on behalf of people at a moment that James and them cannot reach because they just do not have money to reach. Now, in Africa, with fear, I've cut a bit deep. Can I cut quickly for a second? I cannot agree or justify or look Eric in his eye and say, Eric, I know in Goma, when I was there with you, we literally saw people die of hunger. Like guys, I mean dying, literally. And I'm going to find you, I've nearly got a partner. The church building is going. It's, it's going to cost them five million pounds, I know. But I'm, I'm nearly ready to convince him to give you 4,000 pounds. It's a disgrace. I am not prepared to do that. I cannot do that with integrity. I cannot look Eric in his eye and say, we are together. And when Johnny comes here to walk with you, his church is together. And, and that is a kind of sacrificial commitment that we get. I'd rather go without the church. I know it's tough, but I'm saying to you, you've got to hear my heart this morning. I cannot. If you want me to do that, I compromise the godliness that we've learned from Nehemiah. Nehemiah could have turned his back on the rich guys. The poor guys complained. He could have just said to them, guys, be quiet. They are the boys bringing the money. <laughs> they would have kept quiet. He did not. He had took it head on. And the wonderful thing is, when he spoke strong to them with a broken heart and an honest voice, they repented and they paid everything back. I believe our churches want to do it. I believe they can give much more. I believe it. I, I, I really believe we've got churches in our partnership right now that can support a minimum of 1,000 children. 1,000. They're busy with 50. I'll tell you why. It's because we have not helped them to cross that line. So we're not judging, but we must speak hard in the beginning. But we must help them to understand, to see the real issues here. 
This is not a building. This is people's lives. Nehemiah did that. I want you to know in the future, Hans is not going to compromise. We're going to grow stronger on that. God always gets the glory. This is one of the most beautiful parts. So we've, they built the wall in 52 days. Now, I once spoke to a construction guy, and he said to me, with all the tools, all the machines, they cannot do it today. You must remember that wall was wide enough for two, what do you call it, coaches, whatever, chariots, going past each other simultaneously. It wasn't a wall like you guys build around your garden. Like you were. It was a road. It was a huge wall. They've done it in 52 days. Now, let me just stop you for a second. How many times do people say to you and me, well, yeah, yeah. you know, George, I mean, we, know, we love your heart. We love the way you guys are enhancing. But come on, 100,000. I mean, where are you now? I will stand and fall on 100,000 to start with. And if anybody tried to convince you of anything else, they are taking your faith and they are taking the very dream that your living God placed in you and they crushed it because they cannot believe that the wall can be built again. If Christ knows every child by name and we are reaching children that would not have been reached by anybody else, why will we not reach 100,000? Because the enemy is too strong? For now it's tough. But you can't look at this progress and think, well, we've got to 10,000 now. In five years, we'll be at 15. You cannot. God doesn't work like that. The first church grew with 3,000 in the first service. A few centuries later, half of them got crucified. You cannot put God in a box. We can grow to 100,000 in Lagos. It's not about the number 100,000. you understand what I'm saying here? It's about we dream big because this is God. He had a massive, crazy dream. He was not a wall builder. Emily said we were not qualified. He was not a wall builder. He was a cup bearer. He had soft hands walking on red carpets. And he ended up walking on rubble, facing enemies. Surely he thought many times, maybe I should just leave it now till next year. Go back, secure my job again, and then just send a few bucks and then go there. Surely he was tempted by that. Surely all of us are tempted by that. But that's why we hold on to the book of Nehemiah. Because we're going to build this wall. Amen. Leader's commitment. Second last one. Leader's commitment. We have started talking about that in hands this year. We, we understand that there are different layers in hands. You know, some people are here today and they are just guests and friends. Then we've got short-term volunteers and then we've got two years. But then we've got a core of people that say, George, amen, you, you are too dumb to think this out. This is God. We can see that. And we want that wall built. And we're going to be part of that. Doesn't matter if we stay in Canada or work in DRC, we're going to see this world built. I'm saying to you, that's it. You're a son and a daughter of God called you to work in hands. But you and I, we're going to have to commit ourselves deeper. I'm not sure how, I'm not sure what, but we are now at the time in our life where we are ready to make a deeper commitment to each other, 
into the work. And volunteerism, which is always just such a wonderful part of hands. You know, it makes us very special. People coming here because they just want to come here. I know some of you. You don't know how you're going to make this month. I know that. I know your budgets. I salute you. You are doing amazing things. You know, but you're privileged to do that. As tough as it is, you are privileged that God has given you that deep insight of the power of volunteerism. But do you think it was something we thought out? <laughs> Read the Nehemiah. And the people blessed all the men who volunteered to live in Jerusalem. We bless everybody who volunteer to live in Jerusalem. The Nehemiah book was like a blueprint written for hands at work. Go and study it. Find your role in that. Find your faith in that. Find your joy in that. I love the end result of building the wall. You know what it was? Yes, children were safe. Yes, all, all that's fine. But you know what the real end result was? Go and read it in the book of Ezra. The end result of the wall was one word. Revival. There was such a revival that the people gathered together and for days and days they were worshipping and weeping, God, uh, weeping before God and there was the mo one of the most biggest revivals you read about in the Bible took place when one man hurt, wept and acted into an area that was completely out of his skill. Wow. <laughs> you heard of that before? You are part of that. God gave that to us to say, I promise you, you will finish this wall, hands at work. I can say this morning of confidence, I don't know if I'll be there. That's none of my business. But I want to say to you, you will finish this wall as sure as the living God is in charge. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Double, double, double dot hands at work dot org.